God is faithful to us and kind, and um, man, it helps to hear somebody sing it like that, doesn't it? Um, we have a number of folks who um, need our prayers this week um, for Ernie and Ernest and Peggy Johnson, and for Don and Alma. Um, Don is having some trouble and pain from his carpal tunnel surgery, so um, let's keep them in prayer as they care for each other. Um, prayers for James Osborne, who is having health issues. Um, for Juanita Owen, uh, who's Penny Fox's sister-in-law. She's been diagnosed with throat cancer, and she's having surgery on Tuesday. So we'll keep Juanita in our prayers. And for Roy and Hannah, and um, also Don Davis and Loretta Whaley, that um, as each one of them is facing different health um, challenges. We'll keep them in prayer as well. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, you are faithful. When we turn away, when we forget, when we are distracted, when we sin, you are faithful to us. You call us back to ourself, to yourself, and you treat us with your tender mercy and love. Teach us to lean into your love. Teach us that your faithfulness is the most important thing about us. And help us to live from that place where we are faithfully loved. We pray for the church throughout the whole world. God, may your people, wherever they are, experience your faithful love and share faithful love in the world around us. We pray for the leaders and rulers of our world. We pray for those who make decisions that affect so many others. May those decisions be made with wisdom and with skill. We pray for Joseph, our president, and Roy, our governor, for all those who have been elected or appointed to be our leaders. May they lead with integrity and with care for all people. And may we together work for our common good. We pray for this, our community of Morganton, we pray that as vaccines continue to become more available, that those who need them would get them, that those who are offering them would continue to have energy and strength for the process. God, we pray that we, in this place, would relate to one another, not with fear, not with anger or suspicion, but that we might be open-hearted and ready to work together. We pray for those people who have particularly requested our prayers today, for Roy and Hannah, for Don and Alma, for Loretta and Ernest and Peggy, we pray for James and Juanita 
God, may all these people know your love and your healing care. Bring them through pain and trouble to greater peace in your presence. We pray for those who we don't name out loud, but who we hold in our hearts. God, you have given us these people to love, and we offer them to you. And we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, who is teaching us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Mark chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Then Jesus began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the season came, he sent a slave to the tenants to collect from them his store of produce of the vineyard. But they seized him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And again he sent another slave to them. This one they beat over the head and insulted. He sent another, and that one they killed. And so it was with many others. Some they beat, some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they seized him, killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. When they realized that he had told them a parable against them, they wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowd, so they left him and went away. There are some Bible stories that are easy to love. You know the ones that we have marked in our Bibles that our mama shared with us that we hope somebody will read at our funeral? This is not one of those stories. This is not the part of the Bible that we all love to turn to for comfort or strength or really anything that feels pleasant and easy. This story is tough and it's weird. So we start out with Jesus begins to speak to them in parables. 
And you know, so many of the parables, especially if you think about the parables that Matthew relates, start out with something like, the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of God is like. And then the gist of the parable is telling us about the world as God hopes for it to be, or those hidden places of God breaking through in the world. This story begins that Jesus is speaking to them in parables, but this is not a story about the world as it should be. This is not a glimpse at God's hopes for God's people or what it is to be holy and thriving in the world. This is about the world as it is. One commentator talks about how this story is kind of like one of Shakespeare's tragedies. Things go from bad to worse, and then lots of people die. This story shows us the world as it is, or the world as it was. The uh, tradition in Israel was to, to, whenever a vineyard shows up, that's referring to the whole people of Israel and to the the God's chosen people. There's an entire uh, passage in Isaiah that's sometimes referred to as the love song to the vineyard where God talks about how God faithfully planted and tended the vineyard and the vineyard just went, the, the grapes died and the wild grapes came in and things just went wrong. <laughs> and so... This, this view of um, the people of God as the vineyard that God has carefully tended and has hopes for, but that yet are disappointing and a source of conflict and pain rather than a source of, um, of nourishment and joy and flourishing. The world as it is rebels against God's way. God has invited that we experience God's goodness, that we tend it, and that we then share it back with God and the world. That doesn't happen as much as we want it to, does it? The world also misunderstands God's way. So the, the vineyard owner who in this um, story, we kind of get hints that we're relating that to God is somebody who kind of comes up, sets the scene, and then disappears and hopes things go okay, but never really checks back in. Well, that's not the way that we believe God works in the world. That's not the story of a loving creator who holds everything in being that that our world our lives everything we see and experience would not and could not happen except by God's constant attention and love but we don't always see God as God is there was an interesting class offered at my seminary I didn't take it but I was fascinated by the premise the class was dedicated to studying various versions of atheism, and the point was that whenever people reject God, they usually have a vision or an image or an understanding of God, which is what they are rejecting. 
And understanding those images of God can help us get more clear about who God really actually is. And if you dig deep enough, some of those false images of God are really worth rejecting. And so we as the people of God have the responsibility not just to sort of buy into whatever people or the world presents about God, but to really understand the goodness and truth and faithfulness of God so that we can share that in the world. Um, Often we church people get really nervous really fast when somebody says, oh, I don't believe in God or I don't go to church. And yet often, if you go just below the surface of that, if you scratch just a tiny bit, Often, that person has been hurt by church or has been hurt by what they understand of God. And they are not rejecting the actual loving, faithful, generous, and gracious God who holds them in existence. They're not turning away from a loving community that can accept them as they are while still holding them accountable and helping them grow into greater faithfulness. A person who says that they have rejected God, a person who says that they have turned away from church, is usually a person who has been hurt. And the response from the people of God is more appropriately understanding and tending to the hurt than it is judging or questioning the walking away. Sometimes we misunderstand who God is. And it's, uh, it's important for us, as for the people who encountered Jesus, you know, that we understand who God actually is. That we pray to God and worship God and relate to God as God actually is. That we invite other people to know God and relate to God as God actually is. And this story, at least in parts of it, shows an understanding of kind of how God is relating with people that doesn't seem to match up with what the rest of the Bible and um, Christian faith teach us about who God is. So that's worth noticing. It's worth responding to. It's worth um, working through. This story... This parable shows the world as it is, but it does not show the world at its best. It doesn't show the world as we hope it will be or as God's redeemed vision of the world. Last Sunday, we were waiting for the verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial, and we were talking about some of the different emotions and experiences that people have had leading up to that. This week... A verdict was rendered. An officer was found guilty. And there was a sense of relief from so many people that this act of violence was held accountable. And I think that relief was appropriate. But I think also the um, one of the district attorneys who was responsible for the prosecution said, this is not justice. This is not the full and final answer to what has gone wrong. This is merely accountability for some of the behavior that happened. 
And even as we might be grateful that accountability has taken place, there is still a person who is dead and a family who is mourning. There is a person heading to prison and his life and his family's life will be changed. Nobody looks at this and says, this is, this is great. This is how things should be. Communities should not be scared of policing. Police officers should not be scared to go into communities. We should not continue patterns of violence and discrimination. There are so many things that are not as they should be. This parable ends with the quote from scripture. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is amazing in our eyes. The solutions, the plans, the expectations that, that we overlook, right? Jesus and his way of nonviolence, of peace, of self-giving love. When we look at all of the things in the world that are not as they should be, we often quickly overlook self-giving love as the response. We overlook more connection as an answer. Especially with the polarization that we currently experience in our world, we can go really quickly to... Um, sort of diminishing the humanity of somebody as if there's only sort of one finite limited amount of dignity and respect and full humanity that is available in the world. And so if we treat police people as full and complete human beings with a great value and personal worth who are doing a hard job in the world, then we have to, or we think we have to, reject the humanity or not listen to the claims of people who have been hurt or people who have experienced policing in negative ways. Or if we tilt it the other direction, we feel like there's only a limited amount of humanity. So if we really want to listen to and care for and pay attention to the experiences of people who have been hurt by policing, then we don't have room left for the full humanity of police officers. And that's just one single um, arena in which we do this, right? We act as if... The ground is set, and the way we understand God and the world is there's only so much goodness and respect and kindness. And if we give it to some people, then that means we have less for other people. But y'all, the stone the builders have rejected has become the cornerstone. The way we calculate the world as if there is a limited amount of goodness and kindness and peace and we've got to 
kind of fight with each other over who gets it, that is just not true. (laughs) The actual cornerstone, the actual piece that holds it all together is that our God is the creator of all human beings. And God's love for each human being is infinite. God's ability to understand and forgive and renew and bring hope to everybody does not have a limit. And when we lean into God's faithfulness, when we remember God's mercy and God's power, then what we do is, instead of fighting against each other for full humanity, we build everybody up. And the more we recognize the full humanity of everybody, the greater our capacity to act with humanity and kindness, the more we're able to solve the big problems before us and learn from each other about what might be next steps. For as long as we're stuck thinking there is only so much kindness and faithfulness to go around. And so we got to deliberate and decide which people deserve it and which people don't. We're stuck. And y'all, that is what our news media and our world and even a lot of our politics and unfortunately even some of our churches lead us to believe. Lead us to believe that there's not enough. So we got to fight each other. Y'all, we are people of an infinitely good and gracious creator. With God, the wells of mercy do not run dry. The store of faithfulness does not end. And when we feel confused or threatened or uncertain about relating to somebody that we don't understand... We have infinite resources to, live, to lean on because the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and this thing that we overlook, the, the kindness and mercy that God has for the world turns out to be the most important thing. In our individual lives when we recognize God's kindness and mercy towards us and our world as we recognize that God's kindness and mercy is not limited. We don't have to choose who deserves it. Everybody, all the time. Doesn't mean it's not hard to get there. Doesn't mean we don't have difficult conversations. Doesn't mean it always feels good. But there is no limit to kindness and mercy and dignity. And so we as God's people do not have to live the tragedy where everything goes bad. And there's never enough. We as God's people can recognize the abundance that God brings and learn how to share it ever farther. God's vision for our thriving is that we thrive together. And when we hold back when we think that we have to deny somebody else, whether it's physical um, stuff or whether it is like um, 
worth and value in the world, we hurt everybody. But when we recognize that when we thrive, we thrive together, then we start to understand God's kingdom, and then we start to receive God's grace more fully. May we be people this week who learn to thrive together, who look out for the folks around us, and maybe especially, here's your, here's your specific challenge. Sometime this week, you're probably going to hear a news story or overhear a conversation or something else. You're going to hear something that immediately you're going to think, why would they do that? Or what's wrong with them? Probably, likely going to happen. Different ones of us might have it about different issues. First, say a prayer for that person. That they would know the fullness of God's mercy and grace towards them. And second, take in a minute to imagine how would you relate to that person or how would you think about that person if instead of immediately judging, you immediately get curious. What's going on with them? What led to that action or behavior or experience that I don't immediately understand? It's small. It's one action. But it gives us a chance to practice. What is it like when we assume that there is enough goodness to go around? God's goodness never ends. May you enjoy and lean into and appreciate the grace of God as you go into this week. Uh, will you join me as we reflect on our closing song? Mm Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the Take my
God's kingdom doesn't necessarily work out the way we expect it to. Because if we give all that we are and all that we have to God, we are not made less. We are made more. And when we give who we are to God, we are open to see God's best in others. Help them be open to God and give themselves to God in a way that God's mercy and grace reaches farther and farther into a world that needs it so much. Go into this world. Know yourself loved by a faithful God and share that love with everybody. Go in the name of God who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.